Hello, listeners. This show contains some bad words like the F-U-C-K word. That spells fuck, by the way. Please listen responsibly. It's time for Beer Me A Movie. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And this is the show where me and Brian go back and forth surprising each other week after week with what we're going to talk about next week. It's always a surprise when you you know, you know get the, the setup, the turn, and then the prestige, if you will. Do you think we gave the prestige away? Or, wait, is that really it, though? Because we did the setup. We haven't really done the turn? Have we? have we? not done the turn. Well, the turn is pretty much the entire episode, and then the prestige is the end where we choose the next one. But by setting it up at the beginning, we're setting up the prestige. Then we bring it back. So are all callbacks a, a prestige in a way? Maybe we'll get there. Bob Vila here wondering how magic works. <laughs> but it's not Bob Vila. It's actually Billy Mays. The guy who builds the houses? Yeah, Billy Mays, the house guy. <laughs> <laughs> this old OxyClean. Uh, he wishes. Well, he wishes he could do anything at this point. <laughs> he, he can't because he drowned in a in giant cocaine. tub under a stage. That's how Billy Mays went. But look at this shirt. No stains. No stains. You know what? It's that, that giant tub is because it had the, uh, the, the flex seal on it. <laughs> That's right. What is it called? Is that it? I flex think it's seal? flex seal. <laughs> you had Michael Kine run over to it with an axe, but no, no, no. It's got flex seal. No it's leaks. Got flex seal. So you're not going to get out of that one, Billy Mays. <laughs> Sorry, Billy Mays. Famous magician, Billy Mays. <laughs> Famous magician. <laughs> Bob Vila. I'm not sure which one is which anymore. And that's kind of the point. That is exactly the point. Twins, Basil, twins. Because this week, <laughs> we are talking about The Prestige from 2006, directed by Christopher fucking Nolan. Chris fucking Nolan. We have not talked en- enough about his movies, I think. We haven't, because on our last show, we decided to bang out all the Batmans in a month, and that was stupid to do. <laughs> that was very silly. That's how you get Nolan burnout. Yes, you do. But now he's back. Then he's doing the damn thing with magic. Yeah, he is doing the magic. And we got asked on Facebook, what's your favorite Chris Nolan movie? What's your favorite Chris Nolan joint? My favorite Chris Nolan joint is probably, I mean, it's probably Dark Knight. You think so? To be honest. Yeah. There are people who said Dark Knight Rises and it made me actually flip a table. I feel like that would make you angry. <laughs> the best Christopher Nolan is Dark Knight Rises. That's not even the best Dark Knight. Bob Vila here asking how you would like your plot holes filled. <laughs> uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers Stadium. That's how That's I would fill my, right. my plot holes. Yeah. Oh, God, that fucking movie. Glad we never talk about that again. <laughs> I know Inception you got mentioned. Just men- wait. Don't you dare. But I know Inception <laughs> got mentioned. This one got mentioned also. I think that uh, I don't know if it's because I watched it recently, but Insomnia is incredibly good. I've never seen Insomnia. I'm a big fan, but this is way up on my list. This is I this is excellent. This is definitely you know what? I would put it in the Christopher Nolan Mount Rushmore. Fair. <laughs> it's just Faces of, really, Michael Caine. It's, it's just different Michael Caines and, and Christian Bales. Exactly. And... 
Why don't you give me your thoughts on this thing? Go back to the first time that you saw this. The Except first the time stage. I saw Oh, man. I don't even remember. Did I see this in theaters? I probably did. This movie blew my damn mind the first time I saw it. And mine broke too. broke me. Mine too. And I saw this at like a little garbage theater out in central Pennsylvania. I was visiting a friend at Penn State and didn't even really have this thing on my radar at all. Yeah. So it just blew my mind. Went into it not expecting a damn thing. And I was like, oh. Yep. Uh, uh oh is right and the cool thing is when you watch it back still it's, it's all there yeah. it's all there I feel like the second time i watched it i had already forgotten how everything happened but i knew there was some <laughs> fuckery afoot sure so i was like okay this is still fun but man this is the most recent time it was like i'm picking things out i'm like oh they're they're just dangling it in front of you the whole time and you're like damn it how did i not know well we will absolutely get there do you want to dive into it let's just get right into it In Vienna, Austria-Hungary, 1889, a magician named Eisenheim, played by Edward fucking Norton, is arrested- Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. What's up? I remember Top Hats as the opening of this movie. Did I miss something? And then like an orange uh, tree grew out of the Top Hats or something like that? Eisenheim is arrested by Chief Inspector Walter Uhl, played by Paul fucking Paul Giamatti, right. Of the Vienna police during a magic show involving necromancy, et cetera, et cetera. Paul, Paul Giamatti. I just supposed to blow the fucking doors off. (laughs) Oh, man. Now I really, really want to watch the Italian job. The OG Italian job is so damn good. I had no idea. Uh, Okay, let me do the real movie. Yeah, no illusion to shenanigans. That was the the first paragraph of the illusionist. Necromancy in that movie? Apparently. Okay. <laughs> I've seen Look, it. I remember none of it. All I know is that a magician gets arrested in like the first scene and then like stuff happens. So just like this movie. Exactly. Okay. Like movie. <laughs> Reminder that what we're doing right now is going to accumulate in the story motivation score. And we are pulling this directly from Wikipedia. Correct. So for real this time, in 1890s London, Robert Angier, played by Hugh fucking Jackman, and Alfred Borden, played by Christian fucking Bale, work as shills for a magician under the mentorship of John Cutter, played by Sir Michael fucking Kane, who was an engineer and designed stage magic. Hugh Jackman's an asshole. Hugh Jackman is a, is a dickhead. No, I'm saying an IRL. Oh, really? Like, I, I now have a personal vendetta against Hugh Jackman. Why is this? Because when they announced that the Music Man was going to be leaving Broadway, I said... I would love to go see that. And oh. I took my wife to go see it for like a, a Christmas present. And Very the night sweet. before we're about to go, they're like, so Hugh Jackman's not going to perform. You can get all of your monies back because, I mean, you could just go watch the movie, the music, man, if you really want to. We know you're coming to see a huge <laughs> Jack man. We know that you're coming to see Wolverine. And he didn't do it. And my wife's like, we should still go. I'm like, it's not going to be the same, but okay. All right. Haul our asses all the way into the city. To not watch Hugh Jackman in The Music Man. And we didn't. Well, we did, but we didn't. Oh. We hauled our asses to not watch a Hugh Jacked Man. Right. And now I have a personal vendetta against him. That handsome, charming son of a bitch. (laughs) But in his movie, he's an asshole. Everyone's an asshole in their own way. Yes, and I can't wait to talk about protagonist and antagonist later. Fair enough. During a water tank trick, Angier's wife Julia, played by Piper Parabo, fails to escape and drowns. Firstly, 
Piper Parabo sounds like something you would give like a, a patient, but it's a fake. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, let's get them the Piper Parabo. Wink, wink. <laughs> Name has always like been so much fun to say. <laughs> it makes me wish she had a better career and didn't end I up agree. on like USA. We got characters or whatever that they say about it. <laughs> we characters got characters. Wanted characters. Or something. TBS. I don't. Which one is it? <laughs> which one's looking for characters and which one has them? We've got character. We need characters. <laughs> Angier, devastated, accuses Borden of using a risky or not, causing her death, and the two become bitter enemies. I have never been more invested in a conversation about knots and learning about, like, wet knots and knots slipping. Um, well, let Michael Caine describe anything to me, and, and I'm in. I'm going to pay attention. Like, if Michael yeah. Caine had taught me shit in school, I wouldn't be the idiot that I am today. I would remember a whole lot more. I could do math, presumably. <laughs> In theory, Michael Caine could have taught me math. It's a shame, really. It is. You know, any British person could have taught me math. I would have probably listened a whole lot more. <laughs> <laughs> they sound like they know what they're talking about. They do. They sound so smart all the time. Smart and smug. It's my favorite combination. <laughs> it's mine, too. Angier and Borden launch their own magic careers. Borden develops a trick he calls the transported man in which he appears to travel instantly between two wardrobes on opposite ends of the stage. This movie's so weird to talk about linearly. It really is. Like but this I'm is like a so half hour thankful for it. We're like a half hour into this movie at this <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah. But the crazy thing that they do with this movie is that Chris Nolan, well, this might be the most Chris Nolan movie that there is and I'm including Inception there because this thing fucks around with timelines so hard and it fucks around with double identities, and yeah. I mean, the magic yeah. background behind it kind of fills in all those gaps, too. Chris Nolan grew up becoming fascinated with how time works. I mean, who, who's not obsessed with time? But he really loved it in terms of, like, storytelling more than anything. So that's why when you look at something like Memento, it's an obvious one. He told a story backwards. The thing right. is pretty much built like a boomerang the way he sketches that out. So he's telling a story backwards, but also forwards, and then they meet. So at all times, you're waiting to find out how a scene begins, in a way, right. <laughs> how the character yeah. gets, like, his scars, or the car gets, like, beat up or something like that. You're leading up to that moment, which is yeah. nuts, because it happened in the past. Then you look at something like Insomnia, where it's an Alaskan town where the sun doesn't set. So it is constantly in daylight, and it messes with your head the entire oh, yeah. time. Go to something like Batman Begins where he starts screwing around even harder with time because yeah. he's going from like the League of Shadows to growing up in Gotham and taking down Falcone and then becoming Batman and going after Scarecrow and Raza, all that stuff. You messed around. Here, there's four different timelines happening. Yeah. And you don't know what's real because technically, two of them are fake the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the editing includes 146 time jump cuts. That is just about one time jump cut per minute. Absolutely bananas. You have Angier's side of the story. You have Borden's side of the story. You have Angier's diary that Borden's reading. And you have Borden's diary that Angier's reading. Yeah. What? Absolutely insane. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm convinced that Christopher Nolan is a fourth dimensional being. He might be at this point, And his brother wrote the script and Chris Nolan kind of helped figure out the way to tell the story with his brother, but it took him like five years to write this thing. 
Yeah, it's insane. This was supposed to be done before Batman Begins, but they were like, <laughs> this Batman thing is going to make us a lot of money. Let's do that and then come back to this. It just absolutely blows my mind how he pulls any of this off. <laughs> Ever. Uh, he's done it in so many movies now, but this one, this is egregious. And I still haven't seen Tenet, but I imagine it's more of just bat shittery with time. Yep, time more time fuckery. fuckery. So unable to discern Borden's methods, Angier hires a double, Gerald Root, played by Hugh fucking Jackman, <laughs> to perform his own version of the trick. I love Gerald Root because it's Hugh Jackman if Hugh Jackman looked like the rest of us. Yeah, it's Hugh Jackman, but they gave him prosthetic earlobes. And like bigger teeth. <laughs> so like just good. a little bigger. They just messed with it enough where you're like, that's still Hugh Jackman, but damn it, there's something weird about him. Yep. <laughs> It's like they managed to uncanny valley the real person. <laughs> I love that this whole thing is just because Michael Caine is like, it's a double. It's got to be a double. It's the only way to do it. It's a double. And he's like, it's not a double, but fine. We'll get a it's double. It's too easy. Too simple. There's no other way to do it as far as I can tell. Man, is it normal to get an erection whenever you hear anything Michael Caine related? <laughs> is that, I don't. I hope so. Because okay. oh, otherwise we, we both have. <laughs> If you got an erection lasting more than four hours, find more Michael Caines. (laughs) Oh, man. You just gave me an idea for crappy hour. (laughs) Oh, no, ladies, man. (laughs) (laughs) The imitation is a greater success, but Angier is dissatisfied as he ends the trick hidden under the stage while Root basks in the applause. And he gets to kiss the Scar Joe on stage. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, he does. That's, That's always a good perk. That's not bad. That's like the biggest flex you can have, realistically. This guy's like, oh, I'll take the job. Oh, and I get to kiss her? Fine. I get all the glory on the stage of being (laughs) you, a much more handsome man, and I get to kiss Scar Joe. Fantastic. So where do I sign? I don't know how long he signs for. I don't know how long he does this before they bail out, but yeah, that's a whole other question. It is. (laughs) Angier has his assistant, Olivia, Scarlet fucking Johansson, spy on Borden, to learn how he performs the transported man. However, Olivia falls in love with Borden and becomes his assistant. I like Scarjo here because she goes to Borden and she's like, yeah, Angier sent me to learn your tricks to become your assistant. And I'm like a double agent here, but also fuck that guy. I like them. Yeah. He sent me away. Like I was his fucking intern getting his coffee. You don't just send Scarjo away. You don't, you don't say, Hey, Scarjo like you, like you a lot. Still pretty bummed about my dead wife, but you're great. What I want you to do is leave. (laughs) That's the craziest thing in the world. What? (laughs) Go spy on this other guy. And it's not even like this is a normal ScarJo. This is a Victorian ScarJo. This is a Victorian, uh, yeah. I think the word you're looking for is fuck. (laughs) This is, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Uh, This is, this is ScarJo. This is a good ScarJo. This this is a young Scar Joe, all Victorianed up for the stage. Even Yelena wouldn't complain about this one posing. No. In Black Widow. Like, not even a little bit. <laughs> I think this is my Scar Joe. This is the one? I think it is. I think it is. I don't know how you would choose, but... Gun to my head? I want at least pre-prepared. That's fair. Random ass situation of mugging. <laughs> Who's your fucking Scar Joe? Prestige! <laughs> Okay, thank you. (laughs) It's a good answer. You live to see another day. Oh, God, I kept that in the pocket. 
Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Bam. <laughs> Lu- Lucy? No. Brian, no, Lucy. you can't answer after you're dead, Brian. Exactly. Unless you're Lucy. In that case, you turn into a computer, I think. Right? <laughs> I still have no idea. That movie was bizarre. <laughs> it was bizarre. It was very good. Bizarre, though. <laughs> With Olivia's help, Borden sabotages Angier's act. Confronted by Angier, Olivia gives him a copy of Borden's encoded diary. Angier acquires the keyword to decode it, Tesla, by threatening to kill Borden's stage engineer, Fallon. So we should probably talk about sabotage here, because Wikipedia says, no, no thank yeah, you. Yeah, th- they really, like, steamrolls through, through the whole movie, so. Borden is married yes. to a woman named Sarah, Rebecca yes. Hall. Yes. Rebecca fucking Hall. She's great. Rebecca fucking Hall. She's incredible. And I really like how she's asking about how he does a trick. And he's like talking about the bullet catch. He's like, yeah, the bullet's not in the fucking gun. She's like, well, once you, you know how to do it, it kind of loses appeal. He's like, he gets like offended by that. And he's like, no, it's a dangerous trick. I mean, someone could still put something in the gun like a bullet, which happens. Which because does. Because no one vets anybody that they bring to the stage. I don't understand how these guys have this insane rivalry and never notice each other coming up on stage in their acts. And they're just dressed in Victorian disguise. It's just Hugh Jackman with a mustache this time. That's all it is. And Hugh Jackman does the bullet catch trick on Borden and Borden gets his fingers blown off. He does not catch the bullet. Well, he does, but, you know, it, it knocks his fingers off on account of being a real bullet. We don't know if the bullet's still lodged in the fingers on the floor, in which case I'd say the catch counts. I would, You know what? Count it. Like, Terrell Owens goes up in the end zone or something like that and his hands get blown off by the football. <laughs> <laughs> but if his hands are still there and he's got two feet down, I'll allow it. You know, if the ball lands and the hands are still attached, I feel like the NFL rulebook declares that as a touchdown. Exactly. That's considered a football move. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but then going farther with the sabotage, you have Michael Kine, who's developing this bird cage contraption that like goes up the back of Hugh Jackman and like pulls the cage into his sleeves or whatever. Right. And the bird doesn't have to get squished. And he manages to call up <laughs> Borden. And like the first time doing this, and you get to see the two fingies missing. And I like Angier's like, ah, oh, fuck. And uh, Angier like snap has the cage snapped by Borden. And like the rando ass lady gets her fingers snapped in that thing. Yeah. Trick goes wrong and everyone gets fired again. It's like, stop calling up these people. Not to mention they kill the dove. There's blood everywhere. It's a whole thing. It is a whole thing. They like to sabotage each other. Magician rivalries, the real, the real. Magicians fuck. Magicians do fuck, but goddamn, can you imagine if like Teller finally turned on Penn? Oh, first of all, that would be. I don't want to imagine it. I don't. I apologize for putting that in anyone's head. Secondly, God, that would be amazing. Which team you taking, Penn or Teller? I'm taking Teller. Teller's the the brains behind it all. Yeah, I'm Teller every time. Every single time. Like that's the worst part about the show Fool Us on CW. Where, like, the magicians go on stage and have to fool Penn and Teller. Right. Is like, Penn knows a fuck ton about magic, but he's the only one who talks. So it's really just Teller, like, doodling in a book showing Penn. He's like, we gotcha. <laughs> Which I guess is, like, the appropriate way to reveal a trick to me. Just like, a, yeah. I almost said musician. That's different. My favorite thing about that show is, is when they, like, deliver a coded message in front of the entire audience to this magician, and you just see their face drop, like, oh, fuck, he got me. And you're like, how does he know that he knows that what is happening? It's how so does good. he know what putting a pipe of parabola in a potato pepper means? 
That's nothing! Well, what I think you did here was you put a Piper Parabo and a potato pepper. Ah, shit, he knows how I did it. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, me and Teller used to do a trick like this back in the day, but we used to use heavier hands, wink. Ah, you knew, you got me, you got me. So you're using the Piper Parabo potato pepper Favreau style, got it. <laughs> uh, I'd argue that the worst part of that show was that it was on the CW. <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> but yeah, also the doodling thing. The doodling thing. Great show. If you could get past the CW part of it. Yeah. If you like your ad breaks peppered in with the flash, you're good to go. It's all flash all the time. <laughs> Welcome to the Arrowverse without the arrow. <laughs> so the diary takes Angier to America to meet scientist Nikola Tesla, played by David fucking Bowie. Do you like Bowie more in this or in Labyrinth? Labyrinth. Agreed. You just can't do better than Jareth. Come on. No, you can't. But also, it's like Max Scherzer eyes bugged me the fuck out in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Too many close-ups for that. Angier believes that Nikola Tesla built a machine for Borden so he could do his trick. Based on nothing. Literally nothing. A code word. Based on Tesla being his code word. Yeah. Like Tesla and, today being a code word, totally different. It's very different. <laughs> That's like some mob bullshit right there. Let's see what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to Tesla him. So what I'm going to need you to do is light his seat on fire in his car. <laughs> Drop a brick on the gas pedal so it self-drives right into the river. <laughs> do you remember what Elon Musk said that the cool thing about Tesla is that they're temporarily boats? <laughs> Like, that's the most disconcerting thing that anyone could ever say. Like, anything yeah, is technically a... a boat in water, like, briefly. Yeah. It's... Except a brick, obviously. Even, How even temporarily are we talking here? That would sink, too. Like, the most temporary. <laughs> <laughs> Angier realizes that the diary is fraudulent, created as a distraction. A distraction that... from what? From stopping uh, Borden from doing the trick. From doing the cool magic. So Borden's just living it up at home, just crushing all these magic acts with, you know, with Olivia while he's over in America reading the stupid diary. Now, the stage names that they choose in this movie, Robert Angier goes by the great Danton, which was chosen yes. by his deceased wife. Right. He didn't like the name when she said it, but then she kicked and he's like, I'll honor She died and he's like, oh, By oh, using the great Danton and boning a younger girl. <laughs> and Borden uses the professor. And the professor is apparently like a very popular magician name back then. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, the professor this, professor that, whatever. And the whole time, like, I see the professor on this, all I'm thinking is like, and one videos. <laughs> like, I'm going to make this ball disappear. The professor. <laughs> <laughs> very different movie. Doing like a crossover move between closets with this bouncy red ball. <laughs> the professor. Tesla builds the machine for Angier, but instead of teleporting objects, Tesla's machine duplicates anything placed inside it a short distance away. How do you aim this machine? That's a great question. Uh, you, you know, you wait a week, and then you go back, and Tesla says, it works better now. And also, how do you not notice just a fuck ton of top hats in your so front yard? I mean... It's not like the it's not lit up at night with all those bulbs just planted in the ground. They do their test for like ten seconds just to make a point. Yeah, we zapped your hat. What do you think of that? Other than that, they do this crazy test where Allie 
Andy fucking circus. Andy fucking circus. Brings Angier to like a mountaintop. They shut down all the lights in the town that has full electricity of Colorado Springs. And they light up this field that has light bulbs that just are right in the ground. Where are the wires? Exactly. That type of thing. Exactly. But then they turn off the lights. It's like experiment over, I guess. <laughs> yep, right, still let's, works. Let's give these people their power back. I did not notice all these top hats. I would notice a single top hat within like 200 feet of my house. I, exactly. I feel like any top hats within my neighborhood, I'd be like, what is, why is there a top hat? You put a whole pile of top hats, everybody's going to be talking about it. Next door is going to be going crazy. Like, does anybody know what's going on with these top hats? But how do you aim where the top hat's going? I cannot figure that out. All the top hats are getting dumped into the one top hat zone in the front yard. Yeah, they're definitely like landing in a top hat pile. But then how do you do that same thing with like a cat or a person? I could not figure that part out. It's a little important. You just hope that it lands in the same spot every time. There's a lot of things we're about to talk about. Let's keep going. (laughs) Okay. My brain, I might actually have an aneurysm while we talk. I can't, I can't wait. I really can't. Tesla is driven from Colorado Springs by agents of his rival, Thomas Edison, but has the machine delivered to Angier. He advises Angier to destroy it, saying it will bring him nothing but misery. How? Because uh, it's a machine that does, you're playing God. So? Doing stuff, uh, it's, it's not magic, it's real. Science. Science is the magic we had all along. <laughs> science magic is just science we don't understand yet right it's Thor. That's right <laughs> borden's wife sarah rebecca fucking hall is driven to suicide by his contradictory personality is it contradictory yeah like some some days he loves her and some days he just tells her he loves her and she could tell the difference she can tell the difference but also has the brother slept with her also i'm not sure i'm not sure either i had they they play real loose with the relationship with sarah they play loose with a lot of stuff for this being a pretty tight movie it really is it's all those things that like the movie's so clever you're just like i don't even need to question this it's probably great and then the second you question you're like all right hold on a sec were they both bone and the wife (laughs) did they both even like the kid i'm not sure anymore was this London or Paris, because I could have sworn that that was a Christian Bale Eiffel Tower. (laughs) That's what she means when she said, I know what you are. (laughs) Borden reveals to Olivia that he never loved Sarah, and then he loves her more. But tired of Borden and Angier's feud, Olivia leaves. She's like, fuck you, man. You're being weird. It's the right move. Some days you're, you know, you're like a Katy Perry song. You're hot and you're cold. You're yes, you're no, you're in, you're out, you're up, you're down, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody's had it with Borden's shenanigans. They're shenanigans for sure. I mean, they, like, I don't understand why he can't just come clean the tiniest bit. Like, tell your wife that you've got a brother. I mean, spoiler. It's twins, basil twins. But Twins, basil twins. Like, let your brother get a little bit. He's got a chance at the ScarJo. Like, you got your Rebecca Hall. He's got a ScarJo. Just go be happy. You're all in the magic circle or whatever. (laughs) Keep it in there. Just keep it in the inner circle. Yeah, exactly. Like, two people can know your trick. It's fine. It's fine. You know what? I bet you one of the guys was like, no, you remember when she didn't like it when we told her about the the bullet catch? We're not telling her shit. (laughs) 
I'm going to keep fucking this scar, Joe, and you just watch your marriage burn. It's crazy. Really, one of these guys is getting the better end of it. Without a doubt. And one gets the better end at the end also. And we'll get there. Yeah. Life is the better end. Simple as that. Living. In London, Angier debuts the real transported man using Tesla's <laughs> machine, appearing to have teleported across the theater. It's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. But also, realistically, Hugh Jackman could have just boarded this whole situation. Yeah. Use the machine once and have a built-in route that he already used, sort of, but it would be him, so he would be able to control it perfectly. Yeah, but instead he panicked and killed himself. That's a good point. And then he just but like, repeatedly does but that. But the other himself. It wasn't suicide. Or was it? Technically? Unsure? Hmm. We could, we could get Edward Norton in here to do some necromancy and figure it all out. We could. Or Looper. Whatever that movie's about, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Bruce Willis doesn't remember anymore, so. Hey, that is too Ooh, soon. That is very soon. Then we'll just ask Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He was in that movie. Supposed to be a young Bruce Willis. That makes sense. They just slapped a forehead on him and called it a day in makeup. <laughs> JGL, also uh, Inception. That's something. Right. I'm connecting it the way IMDb would. You are doing a great job, if that's the case. Uh, I'm sure IMDb has some fact about, like, Michael Caine and Christian Bale were also uh, Batman, etc. Michael Caine was in Secondhand Lions. No one else in this movie was, though. Okay, see, now that is the kind of thing we needed submitted back when we had actual IMDb. That's true. Maybe we bring it back. I don't know. Ah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We will see. I'll slip it in there every now and then, and you're going to be like, oh, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's real or not. Son of a bitch. Borden sneaks backstage and witnesses Angier fall through a trap door and down into a tank. He's discovered by Cutter and turned over to the police. Because, obviously, the Hugh Jackman in a tank drowns and dies. Right. It was a water tank. He's locking himself inside this tank every single night. So, like, there can only be one. This is literally the first scene of the movie that we're talking about right now. It's this. We made it back. Nolan is so fucky. Yeah, he is. (laughs) Like, ScarJo is thick with two Cs. Nolan's (laughs) fucky with two Cs. Yeah, oh, he's super fucky. Unable to prove his innocence, Borden is found guilty of murder and sentenced to death. I like how he's unable to prove his innocence and not that they were able to prove him guilty. Well, you the know. Way that's word is. The 1890s where you were presumed You are totally fucking guilty unless you can innocent. drag someone else into this thing and frame them, I guess. I mean, these guys had a pretty famous rivalry. He was under the stage. He did get caught, like, right there. Got drowned. He was, like, Hugh Jackman was still alive when they found him, but then he drowned while Michael Caine was trying to use the axe. You would think after the first person dies that Michael Caine would get a heavier implement to open up this this case, but... Or, you know, a key. A key. Well, the thing is, they said it wasn't a trick lock, it was a real lock. No, that's a good point, but with with the wife at the beginning of this thing, when he's bashing the the window on it, that's a trick lock. He could have just... Yeah. Done. Could have just enjoy your wife for longer. Yeah, you could keep kissing her leg, and everybody will see it in the audience and ruin the trick. That's really unprofessional. Super unprofessional. He deserves everything he gets in this movie <laughs> because Andy of here. that move right there. That's it. You know what? Your wife deserves to die because you kissed a leg before she got in the tank. <laughs> Lord Caldwell visits Borden in prison, accompanied by Borden's daughter Jess. 
Realizing that Lord Caldlow is Angier in disguise, Borden asks him to let his daughter go in exchange for his tricks. Now, my question to you about this. Yeah. I think the way that this is worded is incorrect, because Lord Caldlow is not Angier in disguise. Angier is Lord Caldlow in disguise. Because even at the beginning of this movie, Angier says, like, yeah, I do this because I don't, I don't want to, like, ruin my family's reputation. They don't want me on the stage or whatever. I don't even use my real name. Really? That is a detail that I missed. It's like a throwaway line where he's talking to Cutter. And this is like the first time I ever caught it, too. I made sure. So you're saying Caldlow is the real identity the entire time. Yes. Which is why accents matter. Accents matter a lot because Hugh Jackman, famous Australian Hugh Jackman, is doing an American accent this entire movie until he's Lord Caldlow and then he's doing a British accent. Oh. It's kind of like when... Star Wars Force Awakens came out and everyone's like speculating on people's heritage and lineage and stuff like that. Yeah. How you had John Boyega, who's incredibly British, doing an American accent. Yes. No one knew why. Like you had those things matter. Those are all choices. Absolutely. And this movie has so many choices. It's got a lot of choices. So many choices. So that's the way I took it this time is Angier is Lord Caldlow's disguise. Mm. So Angier is living the life of this magician. He's staying in the act the whole time also, kind of like the Chinese guy with the fishbowl. Right. Who was based on a real magician. Yes, who, uh, who did yellow face. Yes, did yellow face <laughs> every single time he was out in public and ironically enough, uh, died uh, because of an accident gone awry with the, with the catching a bullet trick. Yep. They said that He's, when he did a, the bullet catch, he, he like swore on stage. It was the first time he like spoke English on stage in yep. like 18 years. <laughs> the first and last time. So Angier declines and leaves with Jess. How Borden's fucked daughter. up is that, though? That's so fucked up. He's like, he's like, I don't need your tricks. I got the real thing. I'm going to leave with your daughter now. Bye. For what reason? Because he hates him. I have three kids. I'm not looking to take one on voluntarily like that. <laughs> Due to a magical <laughs> feud. Magical feud. <laughs> it sounds funny, but that's exactly what it is. It's a magical feud. And also, like, this whole movie involves the politics of magic in a way, because apparently you could just buy other magicians' tricks after yeah. they retire them. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> How do you think Penn and Teller know everybody else's tricks? <laughs> they just bought it. They they're got all the most buying famous. from the same. <laughs> they're just buying them. Everybody's buying their t- their tricks from the same people. We got one over there. Now you can only do the foam ball trick. Only you tell her. <laughs> and I know you won't tell. Uh, oh, his name's so ironic. Yes, it is. Bob Vila here. Oh, sell- Jesus. Welcome to Bob Vila's <laughs> Magic Trick Emporium. Now, what you have to do is you have to put this line of white powder in your nose and saw a lady in half. <laughs> and you use the flex seal on her organs, and look at that, bickety-bam, small intestines together again. Necromancy. How about it? <laughs> <laughs> Call now, and we'll throw in the transporting man trick absolutely free. But not that one. It's going to be the original and the real one. Yeah, both. But not the one with the hat. The one with the bouncy ball. That ball gets some work, man. That ball gets a lot of work. It gets a lot of work in this movie. Good for that ball. 
symbolic. Ah! <laughs> when Cutter realizes that Angier is still alive, he's disgusted that Angier allowed Borden to be sentenced, but agrees to help dispose of Tesla's machine. I love that Cutter gets obsessed with this machine. He's like, that machine's going to get destroyed. But he has no idea what it does. No he's idea. He's never seen what the trick does. He's Correct. never seen the trick. But there's also like a tomb to all of his prestige tricks or whatever it is underneath a theater the, where the they're surely going to get room. discovered one day. You would think, unless like a lord owns all of this and he's just going to clean it up one day and <laughs> just clean up a prestige room like that where you have like the most batshit stuff you're ever going to find. You're like, they didn't go into. King Tut's tomb, and there's like <laughs> two boxes side by side, when one where a head goes, one where legs go, and they're like, holy shit, King Tut was a magician. <laughs> like, you don't just stumble across the shit. Right, it gets cleaned up. That's why you don't stumble across it. It's covered up. Just clean it up now! Yeah, clean it up while you have up. the ability to do, like what? Raising I a feel kid? Like, yeah, well, well first, we gotta, first, we gotta make sure Borden gets Killed. Once yeah, he's Bur- get Borden's gone. Sure. Once Borden's gone, you clone yourself one more time so you keep doing the trick and then you get rid of ev- the evidence. This is complicated. Super complicated. But so is this whole movie. That's a good point. Borden is hanged for Angier's murder. Angier goes back to the theater. A stranger enters and shoots Angier, revealing himself as Borden. Whoa. Angier discovers Borden was an identity shared by a pair of identical twins, Basil twins. The brothers performed the original transported man together when one of, one of them was Borden and the other was disguised as Fallon, which is why I didn't say who played Fallon earlier in the synopsis. No, but any close-up, you're going to see pretty easily like the makeup doesn't go all the way down the neck. Yeah. It's pretty they, neat. It's so good. That's why like they barely show this guy and when they do it's not well lit and you're like this Fallon guy's around and you just get used to him after a while but you're like they never really they never really tell you who he is. No, they don't, but at the same time like they make it seem like you don't need to know who he is. Exactly. They it's played off so well. Or enough at least. They give you enough that yeah. you could kind of figure it out enough. Yeah. They play with it enough for you to be like, ah, fuck, I should have known when they reveal it at the end. Well, the movie hits you over the head with all this stuff throughout the movie, too. Yeah, it does. And that's why the last line of this is so fucking great. We'll get there. The surviving twin loved Sarah, while his brother had loved Olivia. While Angier uses Tesla's machine, every performance creates a new Angier, while the original drowns in a tank beneath the stage. Angier dies, drops his lantern, setting the theater on fire. Well, I guess he did dispose of everything. Good for him. Borden leaves and picks up Jess at Cutter's workshop. In the burning theater, rows of tanks hold dead Angiers. What a movie. And I love the way that this ends because it goes back to the line that Sarah had earlier when she figured out how to do the bullet catch. She's like, once you know, I mean, kind of takes it all out. But I love how Michael Caine at the end of this says, some people just want to be fooled. Yeah. And that is like the beauty of this movie is you can... Follow every breadcrumb that you want the whole way. The entire movie. And you can figure out all the twists and all the turns, and it does not matter. You're going to let yourself be fooled. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So good. Because that's great film. It's not like an M. Night Shyamalan thing where you're trying to guess the twist the entire way. Right. Like, you're along for the ride here. Exactly. It's, it's done so well. It really, really is this story has no business working as well as it does because of how complicated it is. Agreed. This would have been miserable to talk about in the old podcast. 
Oh, 100%. That's why we're going to go 10. 10. Casting. It's really good. It's so good. At one point, they were talking to Josh Hartnett to play Angier, and I'm so glad they got a Hugh Jackman instead. Josh Hartnett would not have been bad, though. No, he would have been fine, but I, I think... Hugh Jackman's better, don't get me wrong, but Josh Hugh Hartnett, Jackman I could see it. crushes it. Yeah, and I think and Christian that Bale. Christian Bale as Borden is really good. Michael Caine, obviously, as Cutter, is incredibly good. Yeah. And it's going to get love... an Andy Circus bump. Oh, the Circus bump. And, and not to mention David fucking Bowie. How good is it to cast Bowie as Tesla? It's brilliant. Bowie originally turned it down, and Nolan said that this was like the first time he ever went back to an actor. Yeah. To he try actually to get flew him to change out his mind. to see Bowie and said, hey, look, I did not think of anybody else when I wrote this part. So That's Bowie amazing. Considered. I don't know what would have made it better, but I want to go nine. I'm, in, I'm into that. Nine. Protagonist. <laughs> the, I <don't> thing <laughs> I, the thing I absolutely adore about this movie is they don't try to feed you who's right and who's wrong. They just tell the story. They sort of feed you I mean, a little bit because they do start it off, obviously, with Borden being the bad guy in air quotes. And then it kind right. of shifts to Angier being the bad guy in air yeah. quotes again. But the whole time, they're like, choose your allegiance. Watch the movie. Have a blast. That's all it is. And I mean, realistically, if you're rooting for Borden, you don't know what Borden you're rooting for because you have the exactly. Borden who lives telling the Borden who died, you know what? We're done here. Let's just leave Angier alone. We're not going to try to figure this out. And his brother didn't listen. That's how he ended up dying. Exactly. So it is tricky to figure out who the protagonist and antagonist is. It, it's tricky, but it also isn't because no matter which one the protagonist is, the antagonist is the other. And I think they both work in both nine nine for protagonist nine for antagonist yeah i think that's the safe way to do it it feels Double a nines. little high it does feel a little high but these guys this i mean they're popping up on stage they're physically injuring each other this is this is some shit this is some shit they're they're both lying in their diaries to misdirect the other <laughs> what's the time magicians magicians oh, okay. have that's the a time. good point <laughs> Yeah, nine. It's a lot of big scores up front. Let's talk about screenplay. I can't even imagine what this thing looks like. I, it's, <laughs> come on. I feel like every page of the script probably takes place in a different timeline, right? I would imagine that it has to, and that's got to be so confusing to read slash understand. Color-coded pages. You can't do that in a <laughs> script because they're color-coded based on the rewrite already. That's true. <laughs> so... If Christopher Nolan hadn't written this with his brother, he would have no fucking clue what's going on. Like, you could not give this to the person not writing it. Absolutely. It has to be uh, a writing, directing credit the whole way through. I'm going to go with a, a 10 for Jonathan Nolan. Yeah. Because it took him five years to write this thing, and there are some really good one-liners in this. I mean, the whole <laughs> premise of this movie is, are you watching closely? Right. Right. I love it so much. Oh, I think it's so, so well done. 10. Style and tone. <laughs> it's Christopher fucking Nolan. It, it's, it's so Nolan. It is the most <laughs> Nolan. I will stand by that this You know is what? The I think you're Nolan. right. I think you're absolutely right. Like Inception's the movie that he dreamed up 20 years before he ever even made it. Yeah. But this here checks every single box of what makes a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. And it's based on a book by Christopher Priest. So he found the perfect source material right. for him. Kudos. Style and tone. There's parts of it that feel a little too small for me. 
Okay. And it's because they did not shoot this thing in London. They shot it mostly in L.A., mm. which is funny because he did Batman Begins before this, which was shot almost entirely in London. Yep. <laughs> so they definitely <laughs> kept this thing a little bit small because they didn't shoot it on location, let's say. Wouldn't you say that's part of the magic, though? No. They're performing no. an illusion? No, 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 no. Not this time. <laughs> I want to go with an eight for style and tone, but it's because right. I know director's coming up. Yep. <laughs> Director. It's a 10. Yeah. It's, it's an 10. easy, easy, easy it's 10. It's one of the easiest 10s we've ever had. It is the most Nolan, but it's not the best Nolan. Right. Because I still think Dark Knight is the best Nolan. It's so good. Which is interesting because Dark Knight, while being the best Nolan, isn't, I wouldn't call it super Nolan-y. It isn't super Nolan-y. But it broke the industry, like yeah. wide open where, I mean, oh. that's where we got 10 pictures now for best picture is because the outrage from the Dark Knight. Right. Because people didn't want to have a superhero movie nominated for best picture. And I have Angela Bassett who said, well, fuck you. I'm going to get nominated for best supporting actress now. <laughs> exactly. You guys got to honor this. You have to. You have to. Even though Heath Ledger, they're like, he's dead. All right. Well, that's not going to put too much shame on us, the Academy. Let's give him the golden boy. Right. 10 for director. Let's talk about music. David Julian? It is David Julian. And it's a little strange that it's David Julian because this is kind of sandwiched in the Hans Zimmer, James Newton Howard sandwich spot. Because didn't they use both of them on Dark Knight and on Batman Begins or was it just on Dark Knight? Uh, I think it was just on Dark Knight. I can't Okay, Hans that. Zimmer definitely did the music for Batman Begins. Yes. So David Julian is not too far removed. So I want to say he did the music on Memento and Insomnia. I'm not totally positive on that. It's possible. But I'm, I, I think he did. It's okay. It's fine. You know, it, it, I feel like it serves the movie, but like there's nothing super memorable about it. I completely agree. Couldn't hum it if I wanted to. Not a chance. Five. Five. It's there. It's, if it's appropriate, that's half right. the battle. Exactly. Next up, box office. We have no say on this one. Uh, movie cost $40 million to make. Only $40 million to make. Which blows my mind because it looks like a more expensive movie. It sure does. It made $14.8 million opening weekend. Not great. Good. It's, That's it's not good. Opening weekend, you want to make your, your nut. You do, but on a movie like this, it was never going to make all $40 million. No, but also, this movie got a little bit panned. And Christopher Nolan talks about this in his book, The Nolan Variations, how this is right when Rotten Tomatoes started to come out. Mm. So people are looking up the tomato meter scores before the movies come out. There's an right. expectation now set that's almost like has a number attached to it that you're yeah. looking for. Well, it dethroned Departed in its third week. so And Departed went on to win Best Picture, so that says something. There you go. I mean, it came out the same week as Flags of Our Fathers and Flicka and Marie Antoinette. A bunch of, you know... Yeah, the 2000s were interesting. Yeah, they were parted. definitely a time. The Grudge, too. Remember Man of the Year? <laughs> With Robin Williams? With Robin Williams. That yep. movie was wild. The, yep. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. Anyway, this week at the box office was bizarre, but the, prestige, the Prestige did win the week. Okay. Um, it eventually netted $109.6 million, which is a 274% return on investment, which gets in an eight. That's pretty solid. Yeah. That's not a usual Nolan number, I feel like. Only $109 million, especially because his next movie is going to break the Billy mark. Yeah. 
but not bad. Not bad, especially for a $40 million movie. I feel like if you make a quarter of that opening weekend, you did okay. Fine. I'll allow it. (laughs) So it's an eight. And our final category is impact on the industry. I don't know if it's that big because it was competing with another magic movie. It sure was. And those two magic movies, if you know me and Brian, get confused often. Often. Do you know that there was a third magic movie that came out that year? What was it? Uh, it, well, it was a Woody Allen movie called Scoop that With starred Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman and Scarlett <laughs> right. Johansson. It's a pretty good movie, too. It's got, it's got murder. It's got yeah, magic. Yeah, it does. It's, uh, it's almost the same movie in theory. Wow. What a year. Magic was really big in 06. The impact on the industry is not terribly large. No. I mean, this one kind of gets overlooked in Nolan's canon of films. Which is unfortunate, because it's a banger. It really is. All the bangers, though. I don't think, after watching it this time, that I will confuse them any longer. No, I think that's fair, but I also want to watch The Illusionist soon. We'll see. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, Impact on the industry, I'm going to go like a six. Yeah. It's not terribly large. But it's not small. But I like it. Yeah. <laughs> but I like it, damn it. Exactly. That is going to give the Prestige a total score of an 84. We are safe from drinking because the tomato meter score that Christopher Nolan did bring up for all the critics. And before I even say it, I'll tell you that Roger Ebert saw this thing. He gave it three out of four stars. And he had a bit of an issue with this movie. Really? Despite giving it three out of four stars, he said, Christopher Nolan's The Prestige has just about everything I require in a movie about magicians. Except... The Prestige. What do you mean it doesn't have The Prestige? He said, we are instructed at the outset in a briefing by Michael Kite that every magic trick consists of three acts. The Pledge, in which a seemingly real situation is set up. The Turn, in which the initial reality is challenged. And The Prestige, where all is set right again. An example, one not used in the film, would be, one, a woman, and it's always a woman, except with Penn and Teller, who is placed in a box. That would be the pledge. Two, the turn, the box is sawed in half and the halves separated. And three, the prestige, magically, the victim is restored to one piece. Right. In this, I kind of get where Ebert's coming from. I do, but I also don't because, I mean, Michael Caine then goes on to explain it in layman's terms. Like, it's not enough just to kill the bird. You got to bring it back. So and you're the last scene of that this the movie, Borden coming back Borden from the comes dead, back. the good that, Borden. That's the prestige. All right. Sorry, Ebert. That's right. I mean, we could have questioned Ebert if he didn't try to do a fucking bullet catch trick. Exactly. With his mouth, too. That's bold. That is the boldest way. I mean, this isn't Ace Ventura. You can't just do that. So what is the Rotten Tomato score on this? It is a 76%. Okay. Which I thought was low. That is low. Because the audience score is a 92%. That makes sense. And we're sandwiched right in the middle there. Exactly. So once again, we're... Sort of right. We did it again. Yay. Kind of crushing it over here. So high five to me. I picked a banger. You're welcome, <laughs> you did, everyone. You did good. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that without me having to prod you at all for some kudos. <laughs> Thank you. No, this is a fun watch. I enjoyed this. So Brian. Yeah. Next week, it's your turn. It is. To beer me a movie. Every once in a while. Two movies come out in the same year that are very, very similar. <laughs> and you're like, and you, get, you get them confused because of how similar they are. <laughs> okay. So what I want to do is I want to talk about a movie that came out the same year's movie that's very similar to the other movie that we may have already talked about. 
And that's why next week we're going to be talking about Ron Howard's 1999 movie, Ed TV. That is fantastic. <laughs> that is, uh, that's the turn. And next week you get the prestige. I love this because uh, I, I love how me and you are doing our little spiels leading into things and we're just trying to <laughs> swerve on each other at this point. You got to <laughs> lead them time. down one path and then uh, M. Night Shyamalan it right at the end. Exactly. Next week, Ed TV. Which I've never seen. I've never seen it either, but I love the Truman Show. So oh, perfect. It just it felt like it made sense. I love it. Until then, be sure to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Join our Patreon this month for Crappy Hour. It's either going to be uh, Master of Disguise or Raider Rumble. We don't really know right now. It's probably going to be Master of Disguise. It's probably going to be Master of Disguise, though. He is, he's kind of on to us. He, yeah, well, did, oh, well, sort he of? actually listen to our Patreon episode? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. He's hinted that he's he was confused. He knows he's been challenged. I don't think he knows to what yet. Well, by the time this comes out, he will know. So let's just call it Master Disguise for now, and, and we'll see. We might get back to you next week on that. Maybe. <laughs> Stay tuned, I guess. You can email us your questions and comments to beermeamoviepod at gmail.com or follow us on our social media at beermeamovie on most of the things beermeamoviepod on Twitter. But on Facebook, it's just beermeamovie. And on Facebook, we always put up a post on our recording day, asking for your questions and comments on the movie we're talking about. We got a whole bunch for this one. I've scattered a bunch in there throughout just because it's easier to do that, apparently. But one that I did not scatter in is from the King of Kong, Mike Lanham. Ooh. He's not the King of Kong. He openly said he sucked at that game. He did say that, but he was on the episode. So that's true. I'm willing to give it to him. (sighs) TBD. He's got a murder, fuck, kill for us. Oh, okay. Murder, fuck, kill? Murder, fuck, that's, kill? That's killing two of that's them. Two, it's killing two. <laughs> fucking, it's a marry, fuck, kill. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. He wants to know, marry, fuck, kill. Copperfield. Blaine. Penn and Teller. Oh, my God. He made sure to go out and say, sorry, not sorry, Chris Angel, you suck. <laughs> if Chris Angel was in there, it'd be easy to pick who to kill. And he also said, Houdini, not eligible. He was too good. Too too good for us. Before you answer that, let me yeah. tell you a little story about uh, Chris Angel. In college, I had to do a paper that was like due the next day, and it was supposed to be like this whole producing thing where you had to put together a fake movie and yada, yada, yada. And I weirdly did a Wizard of Oz thing with Anne Hathaway. Okay. Which I just rolled with. Uh, my buddy gave me some Adderall and said, whatever you do, type your paper and don't go watch Mind Freak on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> to which I went and watched Mind Freak on YouTube until the sun came up and then fired out a paper before like my one o'clock class. One of the best papers I've ever written. Oh, but that was a lot of Chris Angel that night and I did not hate any of it. I mean, when the mood strikes you, it has to be the right mood. If you're in a Mind Freak kind of mood, there's only one thing that's going to fit that mood and it's Mind Freak. And it is Mind Freak. Man, remember how big he was when we were in college? Uh, yeah, with a question I mark? I mean, first of all, it's the biggest he's ever been, so. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember I remember people were always talking about Chris Angel. Oh, how the turntables. Anyway, it was a Mary Fuck Kill with who? Copperfield, Blaine, and Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller, it's a, a double there. Keep that in yeah, mind. Yeah, well, let me tell you, uh, call me a polygamist, but I'm marrying Penn and Teller. That's fair. I think it's the right move. There's there's no question. Ugh. I'm going to kill Copperfield. Oh, fuck Blaine. I want to think that 
me fucking David Blaine, he would look at it as like a challenge, like getting stuck in like an ice cube for right. 20 days or something like that. Like, I hope you look at it as a challenge. But he's going to be trying to figure out the whole time how to get out of it. He won't. He won't. Maybe I he can't will. even handcuff him, though. Can't even like handcuff him to the bedpost. Exactly. So that's that's your best bet. Because then you, you probably won't even have to do it. You think that magicians are into BDSM? I cannot imagine it would be fun because I feel like there's not enough restraint because they could just easily slip those. You're right. At, at any point, they're like, this isn't real. I can get out of this anytime I like, want. Like, I would be too distracted. Like, if I was boning David Blaine, just yeah. be like, just stay in there. So I feel like I have a little control over the situation. <laughs> yeah. Magicians have to be doms because they, they, can't, they can't submit. They have There's to. I also no don't way. want David Blaine in me. I, I can't. I don't know where he's been. Yeah, he's on the streets all the time. It's true. The dirty boy. He's like the rickety cricket of magic. <laughs> the rickety cricket of magic. Yeah, but Copperfield seems like such a dick. Well, so does David Blaine. He does seem like a dick, which is why we are marrying Penn and Teller. <laughs> because they also seem like dicks, but they're like the funny, the charming kind of dicks. dicks. Exactly. Right. I think we answered it without answering it. Right. Penn We're is good? a dick. Teller's a sweetheart. Teller's the best. He's the absolute best. <laughs> I would say we answered. Nailed it, I guess. <laughs> Brian, you got anything else? Uh, yeah. What? Sh- what? I, I know I never do, but I do this time. Make sure you guys get us your picks for our listener request at the end of the month. We've got a lot on the list right now, but there's a few of you who could send updates or, or, or make more picks or join our Patreon so you get double picks, you know? If you're a patron, you get double picks. You can pick the same movie twice or two movies. And if your movie has been picked before, submit another. Exactly. It's a random-ass list. You could get two in a row if you're lucky enough. You could. But other than that, no, I've got nothing else. Good. This feels right now. (laughs) We're going to see you guys next week for Brian's pick, EdTV. See you then. These guys sure do have a weird obsession with Bob Vila.